0: She's a mountain,
1: then you're an ocean. Because you know, even in I keep reverting back to K-12 education because that's where we learn everything, but we don't help people understand all right diverse perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. It's such an important thing and it's such an, a healthy way to live. And I think this film exhibits all of those ways of of exercising your own personal strength and courage what a beautiful moment for that right now
2: too because that is that i just i feel that we as a country are on a pivotal moment of we either do something about this and we start celebrating each other and learning about each other and respecting each other or we're in dire trouble and so i think that this the film definitely speaks about that, about that willingness to learn and learn about someone else and, and frankly about what do we do about it? You know, once, you know, once you know something, once we look at slavery, once we look at um, the, what's happened to Native Americans, once we look at the, the damage that we as white people have done, um, I think that the only question left for us is, okay, what do we do about this? And what do we do about this that's big and meaningful? And so I think that this movie helps us talk mm-hmm. about that conversation. Um, and I'm, I'm pleased that a lot of organizations, I think not enough, but I think there are a lot, there are definitely organizations right now that are doing things like putting into their, just their conversation, acknowledging the land that their building is built on, is from stolen, is has been stolen. Mm-hmm. And I think the question is, so what do you then do about that? And I think um, Rita, when you talk about kind of authentically figuring out what can I actually do about this that I'm actually going to do, um, I like that kind of authentic question is, all right, now we acknowledge this, now what's next? Because acknowledging it is certainly not enough. So I just applaud this and the the conversation around this. Um, I'm just gonna welcome Melody, thank you for being here. Um, This is the writer and co-director, is that accurate? Producer, -producer. co-producer. Co-producer of the film, okay. Um, So in a minute we'll be talking to you more. Um, I still wanna ask a few more questions of Rita because we haven't really asked you any other personal questions. We've been so focused on the film. So um, I would love it if you would just talk with us a little bit about um, sort of your history growing up that led you to even have these questions. If you can you know, give us just a
3: little bit. <laughs> Let's see, um, I grew up in a really, um, in some ways, really beneficial environment. It was small, homogeneous, uh, Catholic neighborhood, parish that was my the center of my life and it was good in that it was safe and it was connected and it was tied to a heritage you know um there were many good things about that a lot of social justice um focus and a lot of um basic ethics um modeled and taught and um and I got a very free range childhood. So I was one of five and I got to explore this city on my own from a very young age. And I was fishing in the Mississippi River and um, on foot um, for miles and miles. I knew this city like nobody's business. And we knew where the hobo was hung out before I 94 was built. And we, we just had many adventures.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So that was the good part. The hard part is, you know, that that it was very insular, and it didn't have a lot of um, pictures of people challenging irrationalities in society. Um, I didn't have female leaders around me other than the nuns, you know, Um, and I did more and more as I grew older, find some, but Um, I was missing some pieces and then there was trauma in my family and it was handed down and I can tie it right back to the, you know, history in Ireland um, that generations later. So I witnessed that and I experienced that um, harshness and alcohol and all kinds of stuff um, that I, you know, really damaged me. And, um, I uh, I wanted out, and I thought the way I I thought the answer was to get out. And so, in my teens, I said goodbye to all of that and went off and refused to go to Catholic college after twelve years of Catholic education, and went to the University of Minnesota. (laughs) That was my big uh, rebelling, and uh, so I started getting you know access to the rest of the world, and that was good. And I never stopped that. I still still you know that's still a big priority of mine is let's see what's next for me to learn about the world and the people in it.
2: so Rita, if you were going to, in you know a couple sentences, tell us your philosophy
0: sort of the things that <laughs> the things that run you, the things that um, oh. you forward what would you say Oh my gosh um. It's about, uh, it's about connection, it's about connection, and
3: another part to it. Um, I, I want to say play. I want to say play, that, you know, I, I'm a parent educator and I work with um, child-centered play. That's what I do. And so I know the power of connecting to people through play rather than through conversation. Mm-hmm. And You learn so much about each other. What's that saying about you learn everything you know, need to know about somebody on the playground in kindergarten? You know, <laughs> So that's what I do, and I love it, and it um, keeps my spirit vibrant, and it also is a revolutionary way to change things is mm-hmm. to – um, give attention to young people and to give attention to parents so they can listen to their young people. So Very nice.
2: And then sort of my last question before we um, bring in uh, Melody more and talk more about the film from the two of your perspectives as well. Um, what is, what? what advice would you give to young people coming up and whether it's to filmmakers who are coming up and have a story they want to tell or just to people in general or to creatives, what what advice would you give?
3: I feel like creatives are still teaching me. I don't feel like I have anything to say them. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. new at this. But I I could say something to my um, white middle-class cohorts in St. Paul, Minnesota (laughs) and beyond who um, grow up, um, start for... Um, a picture of the world and uh, relationships with people who are different than they are and so I would say anything you can do to reach out from there any just go take a Somali cooking class you know go to the bowling alley and see who, who, who hangs out at the bowling alley you know like whatever it is in your neighborhood in your life that you can do to expand your horizons so you get smarter about the world it's really a good thing
2: that is wonderful advice
3: that's terrific
2: so then that you told us a little bit um rita about how you got melody that you've taken classes how you, that <laughs> we've you been taken,
3: talking about your melody <laughs>
2: yeah they were all good things um and and by the way just for anybody who's listening melody is pretty impressive she has a host of documentaries that she's You both directed your own and written your own, and then you've also directed other people's. Is that accurate? Produced other people's. So she's a big deal. So we're really, really excited to have you here, Melody. Um, So how did, so you asked her to participate, and Melody, why did you say yes? What was the, what was it about this story that you liked?
4: Well, first of all, thanks for having me, and hi, everybody. Um, I, to answer your question, Um, Rita initially approached me about helping her to make a film about her grandmother. Mm -hmm. And I found her grandmother to be very interesting. Um, she had, you know, kind of a traditional immigrant story that many of us have, that could relate to. Um, and you know, I started out doing that. That's basically what happened. I thought that would be an interesting challenge, a historical film about her grandma. But the more I got into it, the harder it was to make, to be honest. Um, What was much more interesting to me was Rita's story. Um, Her grandma, she always would like talk in the third, it was always like about my grandma this, my grandma this, but every time we would talk, talk, Rita would get emotional, which is hard to imagine right now because, you know, of her kind of, um, what's the word, Rita, your upbringing? Put your, put your audio in.
3: Reserved.
4: Yes, reserved. Her reserved nature. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Um, you know, where it was not going to be about her. It was never going to be about her. It was just about her grandma and her journey and all the other people who were affected by it. But I just noticed there was something going on with Rita beyond all of this. And every time we would talk, we'd have these coffee meetings or we'd get together. And I just, the more I was working on this, the more I realized I had to tell Rita's story. But the problem was I had to convince her that that was the story that needed to be told because she didn't want attention on herself. She certainly didn't want a film where she was gonna be the center of the film and she was telling the story and all of this. But I think over time um, after, I don't know, we keep going back and forth about this somewhere between three months and six months where, you know, we could see that I think Rita finally came to the point that her, her story would resonate with everybody as long as she allowed us to go on the journey with her. So all the footage like from Ireland and all the stuff, the historical footage, all these things that I had been initially playing with, we basically started over, and um, that's the film that you're seeing in Stories I Didn't Know. And there's a little bit of the stuff in Ireland in there, but basically, I just went with Rita on her journey as much as she would let me, which wasn't always. But, uh, you know, like there's some examples in the film where, you know, she was struggling with her brother and her relationship with her brother, and I would say, Oh my gosh, that's great for the movie. I'm sorry that you're struggling with your brother. but can I, you know, can we come along? Can I hear a phone call? Can I see you talking to him? No, 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 I have to deal with this myself. So it was those kinds of struggles I kept having, but we pushed through it. And um, eventually, and also meeting Ramona was, you know, such a joy and a thrill and all these wonderful things kept happening. And then it became Rita's story is everyone's story, right? If you, If you really think about it, Everyone, if they looked into their family history, would find some things that they're not pleased about or that they're uncomfortable with or that they don't really wanna share um, and maybe even embarrassed about. And I think that's the most human thing of all. And that's what really drew me to working with her. And plus her openness to um, originally reaching out to me to help, But then when we did finally get to that point, we became partners in this and became co-directors and co-producers. And, you know, we just kind of pushed forward and and decided to make that film. So it seems to have resonated with you guys. And that makes me really happy. And um, that was the point. I know Rita has a whole other film about her grandma that she wanted to make and has since made. Mm -hmm. And um, she did finish that. I don't know if you've talked about that at all. But that I didn't make that film. She made that film.
2: So Rita, how was it working with Melody?
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're very different. We approach mm-hmm. things differently. And so I had to I had to um as you said, I had to open up. Yeah. That's what I had to do. And that's not easy. But you also have so much heart that um and you're such a great listener that we would get together and all that I would just like start talking about things I'd never talked about before, you know, mm-hmm. because you're a really good listener.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes Rita probably felt that I was pushing and, um, <laughs> no. you know, for me, it was, <laughs> for me, it was like normal to have these kind of conversations, but they weren't easy for her. And the good thing is that because I do my own filming Uh, probably, I don't know if we figured out percentage-wise, but maybe more than half or 75% of the film is stuff that I filmed myself. Mm -hmm. And there were just moments when I was with Rita and I just pulled out my little camera and started filming. And, you know, that was very helpful, I think, if we had tried to do it with a crew, you know, like... Mm -hmm the guy with the big camera and the big microphone, you know, the boom mic and all that, she never would have really gotten to the point that we got to. And so I think that was probably also an advantage that, you know, worked to to create the mood and the conversations that we needed to have in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did feel bad sometimes. Like I know I said, well, you told a story about the family reunion. You know, it's like, oh, you're having a family reunion? Are you kidding? We have to film that and she's like what why (laughs) well let's see you know things like that so we i don't know if you want to share that story but that was kind of funny
3: yeah well we we argued because um i finally agreed that she could come as long as all she did was take pictures and You know, film people, but don't ask them to say anything because they've already told me they don't want anything to do with this film. They don't want to be interviewed and they don't want to say anything. So I tricked them. We had a party coming up and I didn't tell them until two days before that Melody and Miles were coming. And so they, um, they were very unhappy with me, but they came anyway because this was a birthday party. And mm-hmm. you know, so they came reluctantly. And I said that morning, I said, we're not talking about the family history. We're not. No, I'm not rocking the boat at this birthday party. And then just as people started walking in, I changed my mind. And I thought if ever there was an opportunity, this is it. So I said, Melody, we're going for it. Yeah. And we did.
2: And how did you how did you do that? Because that's a, you, you know, when you said people are reluctant, people don't want to admit. I, I think a, a common response is, "But I didn't do that." Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but your past did, your your family did, and all of that is rooted in us, our traumas mm-hmm. as well as the decisions our families made. So, how did you, how did you broach that?
3: On no, f- it's all there. It's all there in the film. I just said, "Here's what I know. Here's what I know about our family and here's the history as far as I know it and this happened and um it bothers me I just said it bothers me and here's why and so I said a little bit and then that was enough (laughs) to trigger their reactions yeah yeah
4: well and I'll just add one little thing in there that um I have made quite a few films and pretty much what I predicted would happen was going happened I mean you can kind of tell especially with Rita's family the kind of family she has and that they don't talk and they are reserved if that's the right word um, that it will happen something she's gonna say something she's on this mission to share what she's learned and she can't hold back anymore so Where else are you going to get that other than that environment? So it was very intuitive on our part. And Miles and I were positioned. It was one of the few shoots that there were two cameras. The other shoot that had two cameras was when we were on the um, overlook with Ramona. And um, I think, you know, Miles and I both talked about where our position should be, that we you know, how we would film it. One of us would be on a wide shot and the other one would be on a tight shot. So we weren't both, you know, up close and giving people room and space to not feel that we were in their face, even though we were, but then you forget about it after that moment happens. And then I think that's what happened with Ramona as well. Maybe you want to talk about that, Ramona, how that made you feel
1: when we were there. Much as so, I, I really did try to just ignore that um because, and stay in my own, you know, space. So I appreciated not having it all there. And I remember, wasn't that first day, was it, oh, I can't remember, it seemed like it was hot. It was raining. It just finished raining. But, you know, I also know that you're the expert in your area, so uh you know what you're doing. <laughs> and that was really obvious, you know, in all the different ways that that film Came out and moves people. Um, so I just trusted that. I love Miles. He, you know. Oh yeah, he came in the house too. It didn't disrupt much, and yeah, that's so, why he, he's
4: a special guy like that to work with. It's always good to find partners that you work with really well. And um, I know he filmed the segment with Ruben, which was you know also lovely. And anyway, but, you know the point is that we, I think figured out ways to pull things out of Rita that she didn't want (laughs) to that she didn't want to share and then we needed to get the family involved because it's not just about Rita of course it's about Rita and her relationship with her family and we all have those kind of things with our family even if we think they're perfect relationships there's always something or someone somewhere and it, it showed itself right it reveals itself and then her relationship with Ramona. We did talk about filming more with Ramona and that came up a couple of times uh, toward the end. But then, you know, once you start putting the film together and you realize that you have these stages and you have the things to come back to, to help move the film along and make it that almost anybody could watch this movie and not feel left out. Like to me, it's not a film about Minnesota only it's not a film about you know St. Paul Irish Catholic families or Native American families in Minnesota the whole point of this film is that it can work the feelings and the emotions and the acknowledgments that happen are for everyone in the US and that was really important to me so when we started talking about should we film more and we were in our sort of last part of the editing um I think we we decided not to. And, and and that was also an argument that we got in. I don't like to call them arguments, but discussion um, about the ending, even how we wanted to end it and what was the appropriate ending. Did Rita need to do something? Did she actually need to accomplish a thing? And we went back and forth. You know, should she go here? Should she do this? Should she go to the Capitol? Should her and Ramona go together somewhere? And it just you know, after a while, you realize that that's not the point. The point is to start the conversation, not to make the happy ending, we did this thing. What she did is human, which is you think about something, you start something, and maybe it goes somewhere, maybe it doesn't, but you started. And that's the point, isn't it? That we're all starting. You know, 10 years ago, no one was doing land acknowledgements at events and now everyone's doing them. You start somewhere, right? So, you know, I think that's what by the point of the film was that and when Rita, well, you know, we would go through these phases of showing each other you know, clips and going back and forth and, you know, picking over some words here and there, they're all important and meaningful. So I'm glad we got through that process. And in the end, Rita, you were, you're okay with me. She still likes me. (laughs) Are you kidding?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I want to ask one more question. Then Shannon, I would love, if you have any questions you want to ask about the film to any of um, our, our wonderful uh, panel of, experts and um then also then after that you can ask shannon's or not shannon but ask melody some more questions more about her her story specifically but before i turn it over to you i just wanted to ask how long did the editing process take because i know that can be exhausting and you have so many hours of film that you have to cut down into this really lovely more much more compact storyline so how how long did that take
3: I think we finished the filming was it in February?
4: Well, I think you know the, the thing about the editing process is that it's not something you wait to finish the filming and then you edit. You're editing all along. Um, you know, the the technique for the editing that I always and I'm I'm a professor, I teach at, um, at a university down here and I've taught for many years on and off and um I always try to explain to people that it's too big to, say, take the whole film and try to make a film out of it, right? So if you take thematically, like, say, with the the Overlook, um, you know, with Ramona as a scene, think of it like a play. It's a scene, right? We went there. And we filmed this scene, this thing that happened. And maybe the first edit of that was 10 minutes and maybe the last edit of that was five. I don't know, I don't remember. But you know, my theory is to edit by scenes and then you figure out what order those scenes go in. So you don't wait until you're done. And so it's really too hard to say how long it took but I know one thing, we edited this movie probably faster than most films get edited because for a variety of reasons, I mean, including the deadline for the film festival and things like that. But um, I think, you know, I knew at some point that I was leaving and I was going to Louisiana and I wanted to at least try to get this to a point that we were close mm-hmm. and cause I would be a little more distracted when I got down here. And so I would say maybe a year and a half total from when we started Rita together. Yeah. When do we start the original film about your grandma? When was that? That was already. It was.
3: Um, it was January of the year before. So
4: okay, so yeah, so probably between a year and a year and a half from actual beginning to end. But I think it was a pretty solid year of yeah. um, editing. So and the filming was also a solid year, but we were doing both at the same time. Right
2: that is a pretty fast film, isn't it?
4: It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) I've never done anything that fast. But part of it is that I had, you know, Miles as a partner, who was also, um, you know, he and I had already worked together Mm -hmm. on, was it one or two more films? I can't remember now. But so we knew each other really well. So it was easy to kind of Get some initial things together because we have very similar brains. And then we would show those things to Rita, and then Rita would give us her feedback on that. And then we'd go back and re edit based on her feedback. And then we'd eventually all three of us would come together on something we agreed on. All
2: right, Shannon, do you have any um, additional questions, particularly about the movie? Now, I have to admit that Shannon. Jumped in to do this interview without having seen the movie because I had someone else lined up to co-host with me who fell through yesterday. Oh, so so I actually called Shannon and just said, "I'm, you know, as I, you didn't hear this beginning melody, but I really am trying to honor the cultural history of the people I'm interviewing by having someone else on the panel who is at least closer in cultural background than I am." If we have a, a definite difference, and so I called Shannon this morning um, or texted oh. this morning and said,
4: "Hey, are you free for? Oh, that's great. And here are
2: some questions I want you to ask." So <laughs> Shannon has been uh, just a trooper, and and frankly, so exciting that you and Rita know each other. I,
4: I mean, I'm I'm what? so so glad. Oh, that's no, great.
3: known <laughs> each other oh. for 20 years. Yeah. I'm
4: so so oh, glad. that must have been a surprise to have her pop in. <laughs> And
3: and I'm happy to send you a link if you want to see the film, Shannon. I think you do.
4: (laughs) Great. Oh, I think your audio, Shannon, your
5: audio. Okay, let's see. Is it better now? Yeah. Um, I would love to do that, Rita. I would love to see it. Uh, And Melody and Ramona. And so this is the first time Ramona and I have actually met. Unless we saw each other at a powwow and just didn't know it, right? <laughs> um, which is, you know, it can happen. Um so uh yeah, I, I and and I just have to say, Lori, you were saying about, you know, wanting to do a cultural match and I'm like, Oh, you got it both because I'm Ojibwe and Irish. I right? know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you. that's some perfect. great connections. Uh-huh. And Ramona is the Coda and Irish, right? So you're like, oh wow, you got it going on. So, um, so yeah, and and, and just uh, you know, the I'm fascinated. I'm drawn in. I I did get to read just kind of a synopsis of the film, and I was drawn in immediately. And let me tell you, because, and I was drawn in by both things. And I think that that's what's fascinating to me is that I was drawn in, of course, by the journey itself, but this idea of the journey and the intersect with, um, what you learned about your family and the Dakota lands, Mm. um, was, was really because I am so grounded in a sense of place. So that sense of place and there were not that there was a singular place, but Rita, as you talked about, you know, the sense of place prior to being here on this continent, right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and your people being here and then the intersect and a sense of place here. Mm-hmm. Right. And how that, and how important. And uh, that is. So Lori was saying, I think that that value, especially right now, because we don't know where we're going but before we know where we're going we have to know where we come from yep (laughs) and so having and and the disconnect especially for those that came to this country under other circumstances that Mm -hmm. got that disconnect and then to kind of i guess heal that um and you know and it doesn't matter you know we all have Skeletons in the closet, right? My Irish mother whispered to me at 80 years old a story about my grandfather, my great-grandfather. And there was no one in the room. And she's whispering me to this story. And was so shamed to that that and I was so afraid that someone would find out and at which I kind of was like uh I think it's okay mom (laughs) you know oh my god stop right there stop
4: right there I want to make a documentary about this don't tell the story (laughs) 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 this sounds really good I love secrets
5: in this in this I I guess the question that I have is you know just but there's the other dynamic that I see in this conversation is the relationship that the three of you develop in the process for an additional part of the story right so
4: yeah I would like to jump in with one thing you said beside the fact that I want to make a documentary about your grandma now Um, um for me this film was always about Two women who had a shared history on or near or close to this one piece of land. Um, It just took a while for that to develop because following Rita on her journey meant that I had to, you know, find those steps along the way. And after the meeting on the Overlook with Ramona, I mean, that was 100% for me. This movie was about two women. It wasn't really... Rita's Journey. But um, it also became like, what do we really want to accomplish with this film, which is what conversations do we want to start? And so um, it wasn't useful to put in, I think, as much history and all of the historical things that we had talked about originally. But what I love is when Ramona did the tour, because that wasn't, That wasn't like a traditional historical documentary moment. That was her just taking us on her personal journey and sharing that story with other people. Oh, here's Ruben. Yeah. And so that was beautiful. And then now you have him. So this just, it keeps going, right? Like all these layers to the film just keep showing up. And so Ruben was something that really touches a lot of people in the film. Um, And maybe you guys can talk more about that.
0: Ruben. Hi Ruben. Hi. Ruben <laughs> pops in every now and then to say hi to Rita. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Ruben's the connection and and that piece
0: of the
3: story. Ruben, you better talk. Yeah, it's
4: your turn. You're here. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, um, I feel like um In Dakota tradition, we get names, uh, we get named, we have a, we actually have like a really cool like star knowledge, like thing that I I can share with you, it's like, uh, when you come from the stars, there's this woman in the stars who brings your spirit, she actually lives in the, uh, what's it called, the, um, yeah, okay, I could remember it in Dakota, but not, uh, she lives there. And uh, those those three stars, we have a name for them, and it translates to like the stretchers, like they're. And she walks out from that big, uh, the dipper part, and she walks out on those three stars, and she sends your spirit to earth. It's mm-hmm. um, it's the it's the creator, or it's your ancestors. It's like certain there's these I, I I've never really been told what to understand, but as as you come to earth as a shooting star. Uh, someone picks your name. They say they say who they saw you as when they when they saw you come to her. and so this is how people get their names. Uh, but there's many different ways you get a name as well. Uh, people might have a dream, and and your your relative will tell you this is what your name is because I had a dream about. It. Mm-hmm. Or um, but I've, I've I've heard people tell stories about um, that like your name was chosen for you before those people had dreams and and things like that, but um. Uh, I came. I was born in 1999, and whatever. But um, my mom's. So my my great 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 grandpa, who is um one of these people that we talk about in the story. His name is uh, Maza Adidi. Uh, I have his name tattooed on my arm. Uh, he's he was there, and he fought in the war in the 1860s. And um he now now his name was Maza Adidi, and four generations later, you can have a name default to you because that was your ancestor's name. And so that's what happened to me is that um, this name was, uh, it's it's like, uh, how do I, how, how do you say it? It's now my name.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: I, don't, I don't know. There's like a word I'm trying to say, but basically a name is uh, mine now. And uh, I like carry it forward. And then in four generations, there could be another. And so uh, it's, it's kind of a cool thing because I feel like language, and I talk about it a little bit. Um, I don't know. I think language is so cool because uh, it's not just the words you say; it's like what you mean with what you say. It's
0: yes. different.
6: And uh, Maza Adidi. Um, when I tell people my name, even people who are very good Dakota speakers, uh, the name is kind of interesting because we don't name people like that anymore. In the 18th, um when everyone spoke fluent and was free. Uh, they didn't. It was, this name was uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was prominent or not, but uh, these Muzza names, a name with Muzza in it, we we just basically we. It, it's kind of translated to "walks on iron." That's what people translated it. But to walk is money, not Adidi. And uh, Muzza me is colloquially translated to iron, but for thousands of years before we ever had metal, Muzza meant Something strong and almost indestructible. Yeah. If we had this concept of muzzle, something strong, for thousands of years, it means much more than just metal or yeah. something like that. So, um, and then Aditi isn't like walking, it's like uh, climbing. It could mean climbing, and it could also mean like treacherously stepping. Like, it's, it's hard. It's a hard. It's, it's not fun it's not a walk through the park so it's just interesting that uh when i told someone this name they were like really excited about it because they were saying like wow that's a cool name because they were saying that uh the way they interpreted it they were saying like yeah that's like you're you're climbing and it's and it's really tough but like you're uh uh my mom my mom always said like that that uh it's like it's like having that strong will to be on your path you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like that person is strong, that person and, uh, and things like that. So I've always had that name to, like, uh, live up to. And it's it's awesome. And uh, it's, it's a great connection that I carry with me, like, uh, everywhere I go. I don't uh, tell, I don't get a chance to tell people or anything. But um, when I do, I'm, I'm really honored to, like, share and say that uh, that's my connection to this history and uh, my, my ancestors, you know, this is my bloodline. And uh, this, is, this is what I'm carrying, and this is what I'm uh, carrying forward.
4: No. Thank Beautiful. you. Beautiful. That comes out in his music, too, that's in the movie. Yeah. And to me, that's one of the things that touches people so much. What you just shared comes out in your, in your music.
5: Mm-hmm. So, so, Melody, how did you get on the path where you started the, your creative path?
4: Oh, well, it, you know, it's it, it depends which part you're asking about. I mean, I've been making films, as uh, Laurie mentioned, for quite a while. I think, I don't know, 20-something years already. I've made quite a few feature documentaries It started. My first film was about people who get married at the Chapel of Love at the Mall of America. And uh, then I went on to make other several other films. Um, and these are all independent films that I mostly you know filmed and edited and shot and produced and um, I made a film about um, kids who can't feel pain so they are physically not able to feel pain. Um, I made a film about Walter Mondale. I made a film about urban exploring. I mean I you know just for me making films has been such a joy and a pleasure and once you get a camera uh, and you are able to film and be inconspicuous and get out in the world with, um, and you learn how to do it. It's just so much fun. So anyway, and all the while, while I've been making all these films, I'm also teaching as well. So I kind of have this dual purpose in life. Um, you know, I didn't really have any mentors. Um, I just learned how to do everything on my own. So one of the things I love about teaching is I get to give back and and get to grow this new generation, emerging filmmakers, and even Rita, who, you know, she's an emerging filmmaker now, and I, you know, just loved working with her because she's like a sponge and she takes everything in. And she met me at the documentary boot camp class where I was teaching at uh, Film North. So anyway, I've done that for 20 years. But before that, I was a journalist for many years, like an old-fashioned, traditional, like, hi, I'm on the scene of breaking news kind of journalist, and I work for a lot of TV stations, and I did that work for quite a while um, and really enjoyed it. And one of the things I did enjoy about it, and I like to share this with people because there's a little bit of a, I would say, um, mm, disconnect between sort of the journalism people and the film people. Like that's two different worlds, but I've always kind of, done both and crossed those borders. and um, But I'd say that working in television, working in broadcast was so great training because as you heard me mention before, I have to understand how to take a lot of information and a lot of footage and compress it into a minute 30. <laughs> in most nights when I was doing nightly news or daily news, you know, a minute 30 is a lot when you go out and you have a complicated story to tell. How do you tell that? So I had that training and it does help me able, it makes me able to work faster than most people in this film world. Like I, I guess my output, a lot of people are always amazed. Like, oh my God, look how many films you've made. I'm like, seems normal to me, you know, because I was trained in that way. And I will say something else because I, uh, people always assume like they'll say, well, what film school did you go to? Or what journalism school did you go to? Uh, I went to the school of learn as you go. I never went to school for either thing. And I'm a professor of both things. So I think, you know, you asked earlier, what advice would you give to young people? And I usually just say, just start doing things like, you know, maybe Ruben just started making music when he was 10. I don't know. But I believe that... The best way to learn is by doing and making mistakes and making a lot of mistakes and then doing it again until you get it right. And that's to me the best way to learn. I mean, you you know, you can model yourself after people. I mean, believe it or not, I'm old enough that I remember do you guys remember Barbara Walters? Like, of course. Okay, I have a group here who knows who Barbara Walters is. I wanted to be her. Like, I thought, oh, the person who can ask all those questions, those so probing questions, and, you know, be be on TV asking those questions. And I did manage to achieve that on local levels, of course. And um, but But, you know, anyway, so the broadcast journalism training came from doing it on the job. And so that's kind of my sort of film and visual media training uh, my background. Before I did that, I was like everyone else. I didn't really know what I was gonna do. Um, In high school, I did work for our local, our in, you know, how high schools have the TV stations now. So I did that. Um, So I kind of had an idea that maybe I'd wanna do that, but not really. So it just, you know, experimenting and see what you feel, like you're good at and what you're passionate about. And I am a kind of very curious person. So I guess I ended up in the right business.
5: Well, that's great, Melody. I I, I mean, I hear the passion that you have in your voice, even as you talk about it, which, <laughs> is, which is infectious, right? I mean, we, in a good way. Yeah. Um, where I we, we, yes. and, but, but you know, where you're drawn in because You know, it's obvious you care about what you're doing, that it comes out your doing, comes out of your being, right? That's the way that that we often say it. So I'm wondering, like, I I think you already kind of answered that question, but what's next? No.
4: (laughs) Um, Well, okay, so first of all, what's next for Rita is different than what's next for me. Rita has now finished her film, called The Burn Girl, which is the original film about her grandma, and uh, I'll let her talk about that, and then if you want to come back to me, or... That would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rita, why don't you talk about
3: sure. that? Sure, um, so Burren Girl, it's um, it's a... <laughs> I call it a family history mystery. So I'm going back to try to find a place and people my grandma came from. So that's the place. That's what I do. It's very much about a place called the Burren, which is a magical ecosystem that's really special. And I get close to um, about five farm families there. And uh, they've been there for 1,200 years at least in that same place. So it's really a treat to get them talking about what their people went through and um, what they survived. And so it's good. And there's some mysteries that we solve about the family um, story and uh, archaeology. We go into archaeology and it's good. So that's coming out this month, October 22nd, at the
4: Twin Cities Snow Festival. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so I'm not, you know, I'm thrilled that Rita got to make the film that she originally wanted to make (laughs) when we first started working together. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen some cuts of the film and, you know, it's just great to to see the progress and probably how relieved you are that that's done finally. And And how uh, much I learned from you. Well, that's what I say. It's like, you know, I told, I told Rita, please just be a vessel of everything I say so I don't have to do this again, but I will end up doing it again, but I'm glad that Rita now can do it on her own and she can share what she's learned with other people. And that's really important to me, um, you know, to pass my knowledge that I've learned over time. So, yeah. So um, you asked, what's next for me? Um, So I have, well, let's see, the most recent film is um, Stories I Didn't Know. And just before I finished that, I also did a film called Silicone Soul, which is about um, people who have um, relationships with life-size, like, life-like silicone dolls. Um, they have, like, real full-fledged relationships, sometimes marrying them. Um, sometimes they have babies that are made of silicone. There's all kinds of interesting ways people have incorporated these silicone dolls into their life and um, that film has been on stars for the past year and it's just coming out on iTunes and I think it's really almost more interesting now than it was when I made it because everybody's so lonely right now like we're in these crazy times and um, my understanding is that there's been a surge of people buying the dolls and they're not even like the robotic ones yet they're just the dolls so it's, it's like having a dog. You can have a doll. You can have someone who looks like a human and a person. And so for me, it was really interesting exploring the kind of relationships people had with their dolls. And that's coming out on iTunes in a few weeks. So I'm really excited about that and also other things. But that is what the next thing is. And then I just finished a short. I uh, haven't done a short in a really long time. Most of my films are features. Um, I finished a film called Viewfinder. And it's a short film about a Minnesota guy who has taken one picture a day, one photo on film every day for 23 years and has never missed a day. And it's just one and it's all different kinds of pictures, but he has now 8,000 photos and he's starting to sort of ask himself, like, who's going to care about this when he's gone? Right. Like, (laughs) <laughs> what is his family doesn't care, his kids don't care about these boxes and suitcases full of photos. And also, what does it mean? I think you know, I'm I'm speaking to you guys, and you'll understand this as we get older. I think we all sort of ask ourselves, you know, what's our legacy? Is there are our children our legacy? Are the things we made our legacy? Are is the kind of person we are our legacy? Like all those questions, I think we're all as we get older wondering what who we are and what do we leave behind. Um, My father has dementia now and it's been really painful and hard going through his things and, you know, trying to understand who he was by the things he left behind. So I'm getting into sort of the meaning of the film, but it's a short film and now it's on the film festival circuit. And that's been a real joy to share that film with people. And the other thing I'm working on is um, what I'm working on, and it's new, but it's also old. As I mentioned to you that I made a film about the, these kids who can't feel pain. So I've been following uh, one of the people in that film for 17 years. And I have footage for you know from the beginning when I first started making the film when she was a kid up until last year. And it's really my goal this year to get this film Almost finished. I don't know what the end is going to be. Most of the time when I start a film, I don't know the end. I don't want to know the end because for me, that's part of the joy of making the film because anything can happen as we know Rita from working on uh, our film together. But um, that one will be a really interesting process for me to go through because it has my early film work and now everything's so different into how do you incorporate the old stuff with the new stuff but i think there's something there that also will resonate with a lot of people you know the idea that you can't feel pain physically what does that mean and how does that affect your life and but not just your life it's the people around you it's your family it's your you know your sister it's your parents how how do they deal with it and also how do you feel about yourself as you become an adult and so that's what i've been working on and, um, yeah, I really hope to get into that. But I'm not doing any COVID-related films. Everyone keeps asking me. It doesn't interest me. I have to tell you, living it does not interest me. I don't want to see. I'm not going to be watching films about COVID things, I don't think. I don't know. By the time they get made and they get put out in the world, we're going to be all sick of being in COVID. So, yeah. So I, knew I figured that might be one of your questions. But <laughs> So, yeah, that's it. And teaching. So still teaching.
5: Mm-hmm. So, Melody, I thought it was, I think it's interesting, like, when we started the conversation about how fast the film got completed, <laughs> and now full circle to a, a film that is over 17 years in the making, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I just, I'm always, a, I always notice those full circle kinds of things, mm-hmm. but, um, and also, you know, The other thing is that this relationship got kind of established in the making of this film. So, what happens, Ramona? How does this kind of, for you, go forward?
0: And you're on mute.
1: Sorry about that. Yeah. uh, The story's out there. Um, uh, I think it it's so amazing and it does touch so many people because there were three really amazing women like doing that. And Melody has an amazing eye and telling a story from different viewpoints. And I remember, um, I just have to tell this one little part that, um, Rita called me one day and she goes, "Well, they've chosen a picture for the for the movie but it <laughs> it doesn't show your face." And I said, "That's okay with me." No, but it it's us hugging because I remember that Melody, I remember when we took that picture and uh, uh I said, "You know, she knows what she's doing and I I don't need to show my face. That's perfectly fine." But I think that part of the the energy of the story is all the different points of view and even as far as sim cinematically or this, where the cameras were, but um, everybody did their job as experts, you know, and I think um, it's, I think it allows people to tell their own story or maybe uh, learn their own story and see that, um, it's survivable. It's okay. To, <laughs> able, right? It's okay to uh, to learn about yourself and understand how strengthening it is because we live in a America that really kind of um, wants us to all be the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so this will differentiate us. But I think the the diversity is what makes us all so beautiful. So um, going forward, I'll just always support. Melody and Rita and, you know, maybe we'll, I'll jump in her suitcase and go to Ireland with
4: her. Oh, by the way, that is something that I thought about for an ending as well. So, um, you know, one of the things I regret is I didn't get into, which was, you know, her Irish heritage, we didn't really talk about that very much. Um, I remember writing a section about it thinking how can I do this but we needed we just needed more footage we needed to go in a different direction with the story and all that and what I love is that this film allows for those conversations to happen like maybe you know people will go have those you know go on a trip and then you can do that or you can start thinking about well is your do you have a mixed heritage like What does that mean? And the whole thing for me was just to have a jumping off point to have the conversations that you guys have been having. You had one the other night about climate change with climate change experts. Well, that's a big thing to start talking about. I mean, you know, this film I think will do very well on the educational circuit. It will be great for these kind of discussions and meetings and workshops and training. And I think that Ramona and Rita, everyone wants to know what is their relationship like since the film? great, they can tell you, have that conversation. And what they've done with this energy now have, what was that climate change meeting like the other night? It sounds like it was amazing, right? So, you know, every one of those steps is exactly what is supposed to happen from the film. And it's so great. I don't even need to be here. It's them, them going out in the world and talking about these issues. That is what my hope was for the film as a director. So, um, you know, you can't answer everything in a film. You can make a film that is a persuasive, informational, you know, film that tells you everything you need to know about an issue. And by the end of that issue, you, you better be on our side. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to open up the doors for this kind of conversation. And I think that's happening. Rita, it's happening, right? Definitely. Yeah? Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Even within your own family, you guys are all buddies again, Right. we're not mad at you anymore she was worried at the screening you were worried about the premiere even remember yeah so you know it might be that you open up with your family it might be you start conversations about you know dakota issues it might it can be it goes everywhere so i mean i'd love to hear from you guys what you think where it can go like the reason you're doing the podcast, there must be a reason that it touched you and that you thought it could go somewhere.
2: Well, a- absolutely. I think that um, for me, the story is about looking at our past and figuring out who we are, where we are, how we got here, what our families did, how we can, again, you know, just be there for each other, how we can deal with all the trauma that's back there and face it head on and solve it together and work on it together and bring everybody into the story. So for me, it touched me because that's exactly where I'm at, is that, that we have to do these things. Like this isn't, there really isn't any choice. I, I don't see that there's any choice, nor would I want there to be a choice. Um, but I think that that's what the story does for me, is open up that story of, well, let's talk about the land. Let's talk about reparation and talk yep. about history and talk about slavery and talk about, Trauma that all of us have in different ways Let's talk about all of that and just rip the band-aid off of it and face it because we cannot change it We cannot change it unless we address it You mm-hmm. can't pretend that that the things that have happened in our country both to Native Americans and to other people of color We can't pretend they didn't happen and then say it's okay
0: mm-hmm. it
2: Was not very long ago. We're not talking about 10,000 years ago so that's that for me, that was it that this that's what the, I was so thrilled when the film came in as something we could view for the film festival. And then for me, that's exactly what happened is this feeling of, OK, yeah, this is where we have to be.
4: Well, I guess we did our job, Rita. Yeah. And, and did it beautifully. <laughs> Good. I'm glad um, I really go ahead. Oh, I was
2: just going to say the other thing about it for me was the sense that it wasn't it didn't feel mean or it wasn't it clearly was not made as an argument Mm -hmm. and i think that that for me is much more persuasive that that sense of this is a community and this is a collaboration and this is us this is us healing us Mm -hmm. the collective huge collective us
0: and i think that was the other thing that touched me about it is that the approach felt um very human and um Yeah, very human.
4: Good, that's great to hear. Ramona, what kind of feedback have you been getting from your community? Like what are you hearing from people who've seen the film?
1: Well, I've never, I haven't really talked to a lot in our community. We haven't really had a session with native people but we are planning to do that. And I think, um, you know, I can I could probably make some guesses as to what I would hear from the community um, and all the different ways this film shows up. So number one is getting people's attention of history had to be a white woman, right? Had to be a white woman to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's deep stuff, you know, when we're talking about that. Like, I could tell my story, but would I get that same kind of response? Probably not. Um. And that's, that's really deep stuff. When we talked to um, the climate la- um, last night, the climate leaders, we got into reparation and, you know, that, that's deep. That scares people because they think, wow, do I have to like give up my, my, my land? Um, so it has opened up a lot of conversation. But I think for my community, any way that we can open their ears, because as Dakota people, um, our word for white man is they have no ears. We, we describe them as they have no ears. And that's pretty cool of anybody who doesn't want to hear something they don't, that, that's contrary to what they already believe. They close their ears. This is one of those stories that allows people to hear it. And in our native communities, we need people to hear the story, and so it is um, it's a great representation of uh, telling a story and allowing and, and not causing people to put their guard up so they can hear it. So I think for our native communities, it's a win-win. it's a wonderful story. it's a true story, and people hear it.
4: I remember when we first started that, Rita, you were very nervous about being a white woman telling that story. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
3: Yeah, I didn't. I was every step of the way. I was like, I don't think so. This doesn't <laughs> make sense. This isn't my history to tell. I'm trying to tell somebody else's. So I, I, I just rigidly refused uh, pretty much of the way and um, so it was a blessing when we I figured out to ask you Ramona and then that changed everything because you are telling I tell my story you tell your story and (laughs) nobody can argue with somebody's own story you know Mm -hmm. so that really took the weight off me
2: do you feel, and Ramona, I'm specifically asking you and maybe Shannon as well, um, although of course Rita and uh, Melody, you are welcome to answer as well, but um, do you feel like films like this, if we talk about them and if we take them seriously, would open the door for films that really are more made by just by the Native community and, and more openness to me, people like me, watching it and listening and believing it's a true story and not pushing back.
0: Through this ridiculous cultural lens. Hmm. Oh, go ahead, Ramona, or
5: Sherry Gunch. And well, I was just thinking. I mean, you know, one of the the great things about you know arts and film and entertainment um, is that you know it can act as something that gets past the guilt,
0: right?
5: <laughs> because when we see something and when we think about at least, you know, first of all, it's a hard story to tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and like I had said earlier, our populations have been so invisible that when you push us up to visibility, there's another thing that happens, right? And <clears throat> so one, the stories are hard to tell to those receiving the stories have to be able to receive it without getting caught up in their own guilt mm-hmm. um, and shame and all of those kinds of things. And so um I think it's I, I I I go back, there was a um a series uh that took place in Canada and I live both in Ontario and in Minnesota and it was called North of Sixty. Oh, yeah. And north of 60 took place on a small reserve in Northern um, Canada. And when it first started, they really thought that it was only going to gain popularity with the um, indigenous population. But what happened was it became a popular show and introduced people to a life they would not otherwise have seen, and it was very accurate. At least in my experience, having lived in the remote northern communities, um, and uh, and but and people could accept it because it came in the form that it came. But it also then allowed for education to take place. And so. I mean, and I'm just really learning a lot about that for myself. I mean, here in Northern Minnesota, (laughs) from the wagon, Rita, um, of beginning to tell those stories in a way that people can hear them Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that we can do what I think is the most, uh, really is that you have Rita's story here, you have Ramona's story here, and then you have the intersect of those stories, mm-hmm. and where they intersected, where we might not have noticed before, and where they're intersecting going forward with a consciousness about that intersection. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's. I mean, I'm. I haven't even seen the film, and I'm all. <laughs> <with you. laughs> well, I think also I
4: can add one thing, which is um, in terms of emerging filmmakers. There's a really wonderful movement happening right now, especially since the, you know, protests and the George Floyd, um, you know, the sort of a new reckoning in a way, and there's been a lot of attention and funding uh, going to uh, young emerging filmmakers of color that has not happened in the past ten or 20 years even um, it's really new and it's edgy and it's fabulous. And the whole idea is, you know, give cameras to, um, you know, the people in the community, let them tell those stories. Why should a white filmmaker come in and tell the story about your community? You tell it. And I think there's a lot more willingness, a lot more support, a lot more excitement about those stories. And it's, Incredibly exciting and i 'm thrilled about it, um, and I think there 's a lot more mentoring going on, a lot more between sort of the more established filmmakers wanting to help younger emerging filmmakers and but part of that is they 're helping us understand things that we didn 't know and it 's just wonderful and I'm seeing a lot of new work. That's the only sort of pandemic films I'm interested in seeing is those are really the social justice post-George Floyd films that are, really interest me. And um, I'm happy to look at some of those and mentor and assist, but it's exciting what I'm seeing there. And I can't wait to see what comes from, you know, these next generation. It's, it's really going to be incredible. So I am seeing that. That's great. Yeah. So,
0: Shannon, anything else that you would like to ask our, our
5: guests? Um, I can't think of it. I'm just, like I said, I'm just excited to have an opportunity to see the film and to actually um, be able to support its use in you yes. know, continued conversation. Well, you know, in
4: some ways, I hate the Zoom world. We all hate it. I'm on it all day. I'm teaching online right now and everything. But the beauty of this world that we're in is that we can reach people that maybe we couldn't reach before in a lot of ways. And, you know, having community screenings and letting people watch the film on their own and then getting together to discuss the issues is easier now in a lot of ways. And I'm, you know, really excited to see what this film does in that realm. And um, I know you're already getting a lot of requests, Rita and Ramona, you'll probably get some too. And um, we do have some film festivals coming up with the film. Um, I just found out about another one today. So that's exciting that I shared with you. And, you know, I think that it's, um, I think we all, one of the reasons we all do what we do, what each one of you in this Zoom chat is doing, is we all want to share something, right, that's inside of us. That's why, Lori, you're doing these podcasts, right? Right. And Ramona's an educator. She's out in the world doing, you know, her the thing that she wants to do to move people, change people, or at least open their minds. And, you know, we're all doing it. I'm doing it film and you're doing whatever we are all doing it our own way. And I think that is something that is a very beautiful thing that happens from this sort of uh, creativity, right? We, We made something and we all get to share it and we all have different reasons for wanting to share it. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and visit with all of you. And actually Rita and Ramona and I have only, I think, done one of these before. So it's kind of fun to all be together.
2: I'm so thankful to have you here. I usually end with asking people to tell a story and I'm hesitant only because we've had so many stories about the film <laughs> and everything. But if anyone has another story from their life that they would like to tell, we would of course welcome that. So if anyone has another story that they think, yeah, this would be something I, to, about me that I would like to tell
4: other people, then <laughs> welcome to. I, I see Rita going like this, like, no I'm way, I'm done.
1: i out. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I have to pick up some ear things for uh, a, another interview before it closes. <laughs>
2: so your story is you have to go. Yeah.
4: Yeah. All right. And well, I I want to add one thing for yeah. Rita. I hope it's okay that I do this, but I know today is a special anniversary for you. I just saw uh, it. The 14th. 14th. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to? Of course you don't
3: want to share that. <laughs> Uh, we'll share that another time. Thank okay. you. We I think we need to go, need to okay. wrap up. But thank you, Melody.
4: All right, bye. One so more. thank,
2: thank you, you all very much. This is Lori. This was Inclusive Talks with um, Shannon, Ramona, Rita, and Melody. And what an amazing, wonderful group of women! Thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm.